But the first thing I want to talk about, a very serious note, two sisters have said they have uh, been released from the shame which has haunted them after a former Donegal priest was jailed for 15 months for the horrific sexual abuse he inflicted upon them when they were children. Uh, Con Cunningham, now aged 86 years of age, pleaded guilty before Letterkenny Circuit Court today to eight counts of indecent assault between 1971 and 1975. Passing sentence, Judge uh, Elmer said the abuse had an appalling impact on the lives of the victims, Margaret and Paula Martin. Speaking uh, following the sentencing, the sister said, Today we are released from the shame which has haunted us, a shame which was never ours. It now sits where it should and always should have been. And the women who were aged 11 and 13 years of age at the time and 9 and 12 years of age at the time of the abuse waived their right to remain anonymous uh, to name Cunningham, of course. They appealed to any other victims to come forward. We are consistent or are conscious too that this may open many wounds of other survivors. Please do not suffer in silence, they said. We are looking forward to life beyond this, to recovery and peace. Cunningham is now living in a homeless hostel in Dublin and is frail in health. Meanwhile, last Monday, we spoke about the other night, a former Christian brother who, in the early 1970s, took young boys to the head of the class, put his hand down their pants and trousers and sexually assaulted them, has also been jailed for three years. Again, he's an old age pensioner as such. So that's why the judge said on this occasion, because of his ill health, which there was evidence given to that fact, it was certainly a factor taken into consideration during sentence. He probably would have went to jail for a lot longer uh, if he had been a bit younger and in better health. Uh, most likely he may die in jail or could die in jail. I'm sure for a lot of people that wouldn't be a, a tragic story if he did. But anyway, the point I was making the other night in relation to these stories and many others, so many stories. And you know, when we read these stories now, we're meant to be really shocked by them. But unfortunately, we have become desensitised, which is really sad because it happens so often. And all of these cases, generally when we talk about the scouts and we talk about Jimmy Savile or people in the media or we talk about priests, which of course there was God knows how many reports about priests and we talked about Father Brendan Smith going back uh, to the early part of the 2000s and of course when Cardinal Brady, who said he was a note taker at the time, witnessed young boys signing, you know, declarations of silence that they wouldn't tell anybody and Cardinal Brady knowing that Brendan Smith was what he was, a man who... They believed probably sexually abused around 140 children, not just here in Ireland, by the way, in Northern Ireland, but also in America as well, in Boston and places like that too. You may have seen there was mention of it in the Spotlight movie. And uh, probably one of the only people in, the, in Ireland who has concrete poured over his grave. And the reason they did that, the Father Brendan Smith back in 2009, I think, when he died, was that they didn't want anybody to steal the body because he was so hated because there were so many victim, victims to his crimes. And I was talking about this the other night, and I decided I'd, I'd bring it to the daytime show, obviously because of a much bigger audience during the day. But what I was thinking about was all of these priests, Christian brothers, people in media possibly as well, scout leaders, everybody knew what they were doing. Most people, I remember even in my own school, there was a Christian brother who was fond of children, just let's say. And everybody knew there was a kind of rumour in the school when I started in first year. Oh, don't run up a crowded stairs if he's behind you. Then why? Because he'll feel your arse. And that was well known. Now, we were 11 or 12, so we didn't do anything about it. We just thought he was a creep. So we weren't expected to do anything about it. But 
other teachers and principals and other people in schools all over the country knew who these individuals were, these Christian brothers, these priests, these lay teachers, or wherever they happened to be, they knew who they were. There were stories about them. I mean, this particular priest, by the way, the former Christian brother who, I say, got three years there on Monday uh, for his victims, he ran young children naked around a field. Other teachers would have seen that. Other adults, other people of authority would have seen that. But nobody did anything. Now, in those days, that wasn't illegal. That was a moral choice. Now, back in 2012, we changed the criminal justice will, whereby if that happens now and you're aware of a situation like that and you don't report it to the guards, you were equally guilty of a crime. But that didn't apply then and we didn't apply the law retrospectively because, as Jude mentioned the other night on the radio, it would be difficult to apply laws retrospectively. Otherwise, we'd need very busy or big j- jails. But... Do you believe they should be held responsible? Do you believe those responsible for those deeds or who knew what was going on? I'm not talking about the people who actually assaulted people, but the other priests, the other bishops, the other Christian brothers, the other teachers, the other people in media, whoever they were, who knew what was going on. I mean, look at the amount of people who knew Jimmy Savile was a creeping into children. The BBC, most people in the BBC probably knew it. Ah, oh, yeah, you know him. Savile, ah, oh, yeah, watch him. Children around, he gets a little bit fresh with his hands. Those kind of rumours that were going around. But nobody ever reported it. People even witnessed it, but never reported it. The argument is, from people, ah, that's the way it was in those days. You know what I mean? You kind of just said nothing, you know? Creepy Uncle Johnny, you just said nothing. That was the argument in those days. And, and I know it's difficult to look back at the 1960s and 70s to 2021 glasses and, you know, kind of, I suppose, attach our morals from today to the morals of then because it was different times. But I want to know, do you believe, the question I want to ask you today is, the people who knew what was going on, who were aware that, you know, Brother Johnny or Priest Pat or, you know, Media Man Tony or wherever it was, was abusing children, or had a serious sexual interest in children, and they knew that and didn't report it, and there's proof of that, should they be held accountable now? Do you believe they should be held accountable right now? And not just sexual abuse, by the way, physical abuse. Teachers who were harming children on a daily basis, and people knew about it, and did nothing. Uh, Paul, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Paul? Hi, how are you doing? Now, Paul... In relation to the idea, firstly, of, you know, applying laws retrospectively, I mean, to people who knew what was going on. And I know you, Paul, you suffered physical, emotional and sexual abuse. And maybe, first of all, you could remind people of, of what happened to you. If, well, I, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't upset you too much, by the way, Paul, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, like, basically, I'm a second generation survivor. Right? No, uh, my mother... She was adopted was, uh, from Ireland to Scotland by a family over there. He was an ex-policeman. And he had two daughters of his own, but the only reason, as far as I can see, is that he took my mother and was the rapist. So from the age of seven on up to 17, 18, he was raping my mother every day. Oh, my. So she left pregnant... Now, I don't know if my grandfather is my father, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean, yes, I do know what you mean. Right. So, basically, she left when she was pregnant and ended up in Shepherd's Bush in England, where she met another fella that signed my birth certificate. 
No. Uh, the next thing was is that they moved to Ireland because he was a thundering alcoholic and she was suffering from depression. So they moved out to um, a small country town where the person in the house took a fancy tour and tried a few things and all. So basically when she wouldn't um, do what they wanted, they called the cruelty man and said that she tried to smother me with a pillow. So the cruelty man came, took me at six months old, and put me into Nazareth House. Now, nowadays, of course, the, the cruelty man doesn't exist. You you would have Tusla nowadays, or the social services who would intervene in these situations. Yeah. Yeah, but, but now these days, what's the difference? Mm. Do you know, like, uh, like, I won't even get into that. Okay, but, well, look, uh, okay, so you were, you were taken to Nazareth House. Yeah. And then my mother was... And how old, sorry, how old were you, Paul, at that stage? I was six months. Six months old, okay. I was six months old. And my mother was put into a psychiatric hospital in Killarney, where she was raped again in Killarney. So she ended up in a mandolin laundry pregnant. And then from the mandolin laundry, she ended up in Breadborough to have her child. So the child turned out to be uh, biracial. And after he was born, he was put in with me into Nazareth House when he was about six months old. So basically, I suppose my earliest memory of being abused was being brought in to a room that they kept for priests. And that would have been about four or five years of age, where I was raped and molested inside by a priest. And that would have been my first memory of it. And then, I suppose, the physical... How old, came. sorry, Paul, how old was the priest that did this? Were they young men or were they... Because I suppose in those days, priests were a bit younger. Most priests nowadays are quite old because there's not very many of them left around now. But how old were these priests? Were they younger men or older men? Well, this fellow was kind of... He had grey hair. That's all I can okay, remember. Okay, so he would have been an older man. Yeah, okay. okay. He, yeah. He not, not that it matters. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah, he was just an older priest, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he'd grey hair. And I remember bleeding afterwards. And I was wondering what it was. But again, I couldn't tell anybody because if I did, I'd get a hiding. And they wouldn't believe me anywhere. So uh, I suppose between the physical, the sexual, and the emotional, and the starvation inside in that place was horrendous. And I mean, I but Paul, eleven years. Again, I, I don't want to be insensitive, and I certainly don't want to bring you through the whole thing again and remind you of everything that happened to you. Not that I believe it ever goes away, anyway. But I mean, was this a regular occurrence? Was it happened regularly, or was it just one or two instances that you can remember, or was it a regular occurrence? No, it was only because you see the the room that they had for um, for the for the priest was kind of um, a sabbatical. Right. Okay. Do you know, like, that they come um, for maybe a week's holidays. Yeah. And then they go back to their own parishes or... So they would use it for... Yeah, they would use it for retreats and things like that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, It only happened to me twice in that between the age of five and the age of eight. Okay. You know, but when you say only uh, only happened to you twice, I mean you were a child for God's sake. Yeah. Well, well, you know, like yeah, I'm, I know. I'm looking at the most. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's what you have to. That's what you have to think to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of other lads that got it a lot worse than I did. See, there was a, there was this there, there was this kind of view, I suppose, that you know, if you came from a dysfunctional family and ended up in any of these these homes, that somehow not only were you were a burden on the state and a burden on the on well, they were getting paid for keeping you in there, of course, the religious orders, uh, they got paid, but you know, by the state for keeping you there, but also you were worth less. That was the kind of view that was taken, wasn't it? You were worth less than the average child out of the street because, of course, you were unwanted, and you, that that was the kind of view they took. Well, you see, it, 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 you were left in nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you were an animal, even less than an animal. Do you know? And, I mean, like, I remember when I used to go to the school in Tralee, when I was allowed out to go to school, because they used to teach us up to four or five, and then when it came to school age, you were put out into the, into the normal schools, we, uh, we call The them. mainstream, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mainstream. And I remember the teachers baiting absolute crap out of me because I was who I was. Because I came from the Naz. We were known as the Naz boys. So you were the, uh, you were the orphans, essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. And we had nobody to care for us. And the teachers took advantage of that. And I remember one particular teacher, she was a woman. But she was the most vicious woman besides the nuns that I've ever had the misfortune to come across. Uh, she used to have a big stick, a round one, about maybe four or five foot long. And she ate absolutely hell out of me with it. And it was painted green. I remember that. And uh, what, what year was this, by the way, Paul? I suppose I was born in 68... I'm not. I'm not very good at maths now, because right. I so okay. So it was I somewhere in the the mid. It was somewhere in the early and mid seventies. Yeah. I would have been about eight, seven, eight years of age. Yeah. And she was every day I'd come in. She used to be a crap out of me. Because people listening to this at home today are thinking to themselves, "Ah, oh, shit, that's the kind of stuff that happened in the 1900s or something." <laughs> they all. I mean, this isn't that long ago. When we think about it in real terms, it was, you went to school at the same time as me, so this isn't that. I, I was born in 1963. I'm a little bit older than you, so this it, it, this is not like you know thousands of years ago. This is only one generation ago, as such. That's all it is, you see. Yeah. And then you see, if you went back and you said that you got a hiding in school, you get another hiding at home, mm. which, which which we used to call the home. And I mean, like by night, I used to wet the bed. You know. Well, what, what I, I want, did, yeah, but what I wanted to focus on was when you were sexually abused and when you were physically yeah. abused with this woman that you described with the green stick as well. There was other adults and people of authority in those buildings who most likely knew. That that particular priest, you know, had a a liking for young children, a sexual attraction to young children. They would have to have known. I know a lot of it was about power, by the way, not just attraction. It was about power. But they there was other priests there, or I don't know, bishops that would have visited regularly, or lay people that worked there. The same in the school with the with that woman. They must have known what they were doing to the children, other adults. But you see, they all knew. Every one of them knew. But they would do nothing about it. Because from a child's point of view, if you look at it, nearly every one of the teachers in those days backed their children, one way or another. And I presume it was their own secret. And anyway, in those days, it was law. 
that that they could do it. Well, absolutely. And many teachers did, as you say, batter the children or slap them, certainly with rulers and sticks. But they didn't sexually abuse them. That that no. would have been more unusual, although it was happening quite a lot, unfortunately. It w- well, I mean, like, I was never sexually abused in the mainstream school. I know that. Yeah, it was but in the, the, in the Nazareth you were, yes. Yeah, in the Nazareth. But you see, if you look at it, in the Nazareth it was run by nuns. And the nuns were run by, by, by the priests. So they would have never questioned the priest in those days why they brought a boy into their rooms. And the guard of Sheikhana at the time, many guards, because I've heard stories in relation to St. Patrick's Home in the Navan Road where, you know, a, a guard might go into a sergeant and say, there's something fishy going on over there, you know, because they, they had the, on the Navan Road, the guard station across the road. And the, the sergeant would say something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, but, Asha, that's their own business, leave them at it. In other words, it was just ignored. Like, they had free reign to do what they wanted. Yeah, but you see, that's another thing, um, is that I ran away when I was about eight years of age, eight, nine years of age, and I ended up in Limerick. And I ended up in the St. George Hotel in Limerick. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know how I got there. I just hopped on the train and got there. About two hours later, there was two guardie there as well as a nun. And the minute I went out of that hotel and in the car, all I could see coming towards me was fist flying by the Gardaí. To take you back again? To take me back again. And I got an... And at any, at any stage, I, I, you know, I mean, I know you were young and you wouldn't have had a great understanding of what was happening to you and you would have been afraid maybe to say anything. But at any stage, to, to another member of authority or to another adult, did you ever say, I was raped by that priest or that priest interfered with me or he touched me in a way I don't believe was right? Did, or I was bleeding uh, after he did. Did you ever say that to any of them? I mean, like, who were you going to say it to? There, there, there was nobody there to say it to. If you went to the nuns, you got an almighty hiding. If you went to the mainstream school and told them, you get another hiding there. And they tell you, oh, cop on. Do you know what I mean? So, but, but, no, the, but, but that's the point, I'm, the point I'm making is, is that other adults knew. So the reason you were afraid to say to anybody else is because they all knew what was going on and thought nothing of it anyway. Exactly. And even if you did tell them, they wouldn't believe you. That was in, in that day. And do you, you, do, know, you think, do you think, when I, when I mentioned the stories of the two sisters this morning and, and the lads the other night I was talking about as well, uh, again, the 71-year-old priest who was sentenced to three years in jail, do, do you believe that the, the individuals who knew these people, who knew there were paedophiles, who knew they were sexually abusing children or had a likening for, sexually a likening for children, do you believe those other adults or people of authority should be charged now with not reporting it, even though that wouldn't have been the law at the time? But do you believe there should be some sort of charge or some sort of responsibility or some sort of culpability for what they did? Because they did, they're equally as bad, aren't they? Definitely. I, I think they should be charged. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. but, I mean, like again, these people knew what was going on. They covered it up. They allowed it to happen. They did. They enabled it, of course. Yes. And definitely they should be charged. I don't know what crime they've been charged with, but they should be charged with something. And, and, they, and if, if not, they should be, you know, like, gone after by the people mm-hmm. that the abuse was suffered by. And they left it go on and on and on. 
Because I, I know, well, I don't personally know because it, thankfully it didn't happen to me. But I, I was physically abused in school, like most people in school in this country in those days. But from a sexual point of view, I was never sexually abused or anything like that, thankfully. And I, I can't imagine what it's like to live with that life sentence, you know, of remembering that. And I'm certainly not probably helping you today, but making you relive it on the radio. But, but that life sentence of thinking about that, and I'm sure it never leaves your mind, Paul. Well, you see, it, it never does. I mean, like people often say to me, look, it happened 40 years ago. Get over it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, it's not that easy, is it? And, and you turn around and you say, yeah, do you know, like, it, it has. And you put it to the back of your mind, but there's no extent when you wake up and you don't know why you're waking up. Suddenly you have a pain in your, in your bottom. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just flashbacks all the time. And this is what people really don't understand is that, as you just said there, this is not just a year or two of a sentence. This is a life sentence for us. And what, what more, I'm, I'm sorry I'm running a bit short in time, Bob, but what more do you believe the state can do now? The state has obviously apologised for what has happened and for the role they played as the state in allowing the, the, the church to have so much power at the time and looking after children. But what, what more do you believe the state can do at this point? Well, I believe that the state should actually keep their promises 21 years ago that they haven't kept. They, this, is, this, is when Bertie Hearn, this is when Bertie Hearn, of course, would have been involved in... That's right. Yes. In 1999 when he made the apology. Yes. Right? And they set up, as I, uh, as I tell you, the consultation talks. Right? And we feel, as survivors, that we put in proposals now that will actually help survivors for the rest of their lives. But as we were told, there's no pot of gold at the rainbow, but yet you can give alpaca support a job that ruined a mother and baby home um, report, and yet you can look after the people that the state allowed to be raped, beaten, starved, and not even educated. A lot of us weren't educated until later on in life. Well, how could you get an education when you have a, an experience like that? Paul, listen, I wish you well. And listen, thank you very much indeed, I, because we're trying to open people's eyes, I suppose, to what really happened and who should really be responsible. And I appreciate you coming on the air today, Paul, and I wish you well. All right. 